Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's going on, everybody? It's uh, show number 563. And on today's show, we're talking about gluing in the cold, dog holes, and maintaining surfacing router bits. That's exciting stuff. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Aren't you guys? Easy, easy. Um, It's a long show, Mark. Come on. (laughs) Don't blow it all at the beginning. Okay. (laughs) But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. <laughs> Enter for your chance to win before December 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. So that's that's the mood of the show, I, I take it. Right. That's, that's, that's where we're at right, right now. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Rockler.com slash 250. 250. F-I-D-D-Y. <laughs> Yep. You know what? If you want to throw a little 250 our way, mm, you can totally do so. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking the infamous Bob and mm-hmm. Alex Armstrong. Infamous? The infamous? Ah, mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of both. The infamous El Guapo. <laughs> El Guapo. It's like regular famous, but it's more famous. I'm glad you picked up on that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, you never know how obscure some of my references get now. <laughs> sure. 20 years ago, that was much more relevant. But uh, yeah, Three yeah, Amigos exactly. is, God, what, 30, 35 years old now? Yeah. Matt, your parents probably would get the joke. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're basically my parents. So Almost. <laughs> Just like, it is like, it is like Shannon and I had a kid. That's what this is. The show is somebody, all about. Somebody, many people Great. have been thinking it. Somebody had Wonderful. to finally say it. <laughs> Isn't he beautiful? I like what you've made. The, have you? Oh, this? <laughs> so hold on. This has nothing to do with that. It just, I've been seeing your face, Matt, and it reminded me of something. My face? Okay. Yeah. Have you guys seen, know. there's a story going around. I think I saw it on uh, Twitter or something about like this picture of an A, I think it might be like an AI generated version of what Jesus actually would have looked like. Oh no. And I'm it looks exactly, that. it looks exactly like Matt. Perfect. I'm going to show you the link. And I don't mean this in the way that like uh, people who listen to the show, like they see a guy who vaguely looks like you. He's got dark black hair and they're like, oh, look, yes, it's vaguely. Matt. No, yes. Yeah. This one looks like you. And they used, I'm they gonna, used to be a lot more accurate. I feel like they're drifting. Yeah. Now. yeah. <laughs> like, like a lot. Yep. This guy has a beard and he's got hair. So must, must be, be Matt. Matt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send this to you and you're going to show it to your family and they're all going to agree with me. What are you saying right now? No, no, no. Oh. I got to find it. I got to find it. I don't know. You're I'll like, text it. I'll text this it is a new bit we're doing where Matt reacts and <laughs> yeah, Matt. Like, walks around the house and shows his family this thing. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I had it. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, uh, picture of there's, what? There's always editing. You know, like. What Jesus God, just, would have looked <laughs> like. Just let me see. thinking what, what that show segment jingle could be. You know, Matt reacts. Yeah. Got it. All right. I what got it. I get my Hold spin on. Off? Matt, what? look at yourself. I guess I kind of, I mean, kind of. No, 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 no. It's, if this looks like it, like you in five years. <laughs> this? <laughs> or you in one year and add another kid. Like, I mean, I can, I can see mean? that. I mean, he's got some more bags under his eyes than I do. I'm getting there. Yeah. Though. I'm not saying yeah. this looks oh like you. God. It's pretty freaking close. Although Come on. I'm, I'm graying already. And I don't know, a few more years, I'm a lot more gray than this guy. <laughs> yeah. Shannon, what, what's, your, what's the verdict? What do you think? <laughs> oh, my God. It's so mad. <laughs> I told you. Show, 
Is your wife busy? I, mean, is she, I know she's working, but is she actually working right now? Oh, wow. I don't know. She's doing That's, something on her email. All right. I just, it would be great to get a, a real candid reaction here. She would Seriously, know. Seriously, like, like I, Matt, I, I mean, I'm assuming you have Italian heritage, was the last name like Carmona, but... Like if there was a little bit of like Lebanese or something in your family, yes. this would be uh, you. Yeah. Like, hey, does this look like that's me? insane. Wow. Sort of. They get a sort so, of. Well, that, that, that's good enough. I mean, who knows you better than her? But seriously, that's a, okay. We'll put this in the show notes. I mean, this is really important stuff, guys. So <laughs> this is very important related. You're gonna want to go yeah. to a talk show and check out the picture of uh, Jesus Cremona. Over there. Jesus Cremona. Show title. <laughs> okay. How many people are we going to offend with that one? I think that's that's going to offend everybody and the nurses. <laughs> yep, probably. Eh, just the Catholic uh, ones. It'll be fine. I'm glad we went on this or, tangent. That we, we could just right do at something like... the beginning like, of the show, before we got into anything of substance, we're already yeah, off I the mean, rails. Maybe not like, quite not so on the, rails, the nose, like, like Jesus Cremona, like Matt. Somewhere else. Matt of Arimathea. Guys, it is Christmas time. I mean, it true. Would be, it's appropriate for us that w- if not now, then when would we talk Happy about birthday, this? Matt. Happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, that's gonna. That's even better. Okay. I'll get us out of here. Yeah, I'll start please. talking about uh, what's on the bench and we'll resume a normal show. <laughs> get me the hell out of here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. I'll go first. I'm working on Ava's vanity. I'm oh, sorry. Like, Heather just texted. Looks exactly like Matt. <laughs> How did you send it off to her already? Yeah. <laughs> Telling you. Oh, I'm getting I'm messing around here. Okay. All right. Gotta, okay. Gotta, sorry. Gotta, Back on track. Okay. Oh. Here we go. On track. We're on track. Okay. Serious so I'm working on Ava's vanity. Things. Ava wants me to build a vanity. She's been bugging me. I think I mentioned this in the past. And uh, I have slowed down in dramatic fashion. Because I decided, like, the drawers. I just want to do hand-cut joinery for the drawers. It's actually been a while since I've done a small-scale drawer with hand-cut dovetails and nice tiny pins. So I really slowed down uh, because apparently muscle memory is a thing. And I tried to just, like, grab a couple practice pieces and I'm like, I've done this enough times. I don't need to, like, I'm just going to knock it out. They looked bad. They looked real bad. <laughs> and uh, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I got to go through some practice seshes here. I got to look up some videos just to remind myself of like some of the basics. Uh, and I watched some stuff from Shannon. I watched some Rob Cosman and got my head oriented correctly. And then immediately was able to whip some of these out. So that's kind of what I've been doing and taking my time doing some uh, through dovetails, some half blinds and working on some like dummy proofing techniques. Cause I want to also teach people this as I'm relearning it. I want to show people some of the things I'm doing to help me locate that saw. So you can get a perfect off the saw fit and you're not sitting there finessing the actual pins and tails themselves. You're just kind of chopping the, the end of the back wall, if you will. So yeah, that's, that's been what I've been focusing on that for way too many days because it's two damn drawers and I should have been done a long, long time ago, but it's, uh, right. it extended so, over the weekend. So then like, I have to start out slow today because it's Monday. I didn't want to get uh, too deep into it. So, right. <laughs> Let me ask you, actually, I'm, I'm professionally curious for both of you. Um, mm-hmm. Do you lay out and transfer with a knife or like a pencil? I've done both in the past. This time I did mostly knife. What about you, um, Matt? I'm weird. I do. If I'm doing tails first, I use a knife. If I'm doing pins first, I use a pencil. I can see that. Okay. Yeah. I never I'm do just, pins first, so I, I 
I don't, I don't gets, know what the gets, reasoning. It gets boring. Only the yeah. tails for some time. I was going to say the same thing. Sometimes so you, you just switch it up, it up a, little, a little bit. Change it up. Yeah. Yeah, I like well, the knife. I like the accuracy of the knife. This is part of the thing that I'm trying to develop is a way that helps it be more visually obvious or at least tactile in, in a way that the saw blade has a little notch to drop into mm-hmm. uh, because that knife line is so hard to match up to, at least for me, uh, without like tons of repetitive experience with this, getting the, the saw blade on the right side of the cut and making sure you are leaving that knife line in some cases. Uh, it, I just, it takes a while for me to get that down. So what I've actually been doing is like when you, you know the trick where you use the hand plane uh, to get your uh, pin board set up vertically, and then you take mm-hmm. your tailboard on top of that and you're marking the location of your tails, right? So I'm doing that technique, but then after I knife the sides, I just kind of go back onto the waist side of the line and I grab my sharpest chisel and I just kind of give it that little notch. So that little knife line isn't very deep, but it's just deep enough that I can kind of notch each one and that just kind of becomes a perfect place to set my saw blade down into. And then I cut straight down to cut the pins. And that's actually been working pretty well for me. I've never been able to really do dovetails that don't require some finessing on the face of the pins and tails in the past i'm always doing doing a little like the pencil shading trick and knocking it together and looking at where the pencil smears and removing that with this method i don't have to do any of that so i ain't got time for that yeah (laughs) it's it's working pretty well i'd be i'd be curious to see what your result would be to switch to a pencil and like a mechanical pencil or a really really sharp pencil it's just interesting over the years over the years i've gravitated to using pencil because, you know, the knife, the severing the fibers, it, I, the way I classify is it kind of sucks the saw in, which is kind of what you want. But then you're also splitting the line. So you're getting a bit of set teeth on one side of the knife line and a bit of set teeth on the other side of the knife line, mm-hmm. which is fine for, you know, um, really, really, really hard woods that don't compress a lot. But if you're cutting dovetails and like poplar or you know certainly pine, I find that I like to be able to shift and leave more of the line or take more of the line dependent upon like the compressive nature of the wood I'm working with. And a knife line doesn't really allow me to do that. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's probably it's I'm probably splitting hairs um, because I've, I've been doing it enough that you kind of get the feel f- for for how much of the line to leave. But I find that the knife line doesn't give me the option. I mean, there are ways to saw next to a knife line, but it's a, a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So I've just found that going to the pencil. Also, I like to leave a little bit of that pencil so I can very clearly see when I've split it, there's a little bit of graphite left. And if I do need to do any pairing, there's something visual there. Whereas if you use a knife line, the saw drops into the knife line and it removes the whole thing. And there's there's absolutely nothing left. So if, in other words, if I screw up and I have like a wonky cut or something like that, I can tell where it is because there's a little bit of graphite left. It's something mm-hmm. visual, but there, there's no question. Dovetails are not like riding a bike. Like unless you do it a lot, mm-hmm. you got to warm up. Um, I remember uh, one of you remember the hand tool Olympics at woodworking in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you used to always have that dovetail thing. And um, leading up to, I think it was 2011 or 2012 or something like everything that I built that year was table ish. So it was all mortise and tendons. I hadn't cut a dovetail. <laughs> I can't remember. It had been like two years since I'd cut a dovetail. And it was, you know, of course, you're in the hand tool Olympics and I was the hand tool guy at the time. So like everybody was watching. (laughs) That didn't help, but it was awful. Like it was the ugliest damn dovetail I've ever cut. It was like, I forgot how to do it. Like I forgot how to hold the saw. I mean, it was a totally foreign operation. So (laughs) what you're actually doing kind of makes sense, Mark. You kind of warming up before you jump into the project because it's just not something... 
And I mean, I've cut a lot of dovetails, but if you go like a couple of projects and you haven't cut one in a while, mm -hmm. or like say you go in another direction and you cut a whole bunch of mortise and tenons, like you build the muscle memory for that. And I think the more dovetails you cut, uh, cut the faster the muscle memory comes back. But until we're all Frank Klaus and have, you know, 40 years of cutting dovetails under your belt, yeah. I think you have to do that warm up. It's, well, it's ugly otherwise. I also think there's two different types of woodworking that you can do. There's like, we're doing mortise and tenon level of accuracy and you got a chisel to a line and th that tends to be a little bit more forgiving. And if yeah. you apply that fast moving, like I've done this a thousand times, that sort of mentality and you jump into a finely, you know, crafted set of dovetails for a small drawer, then you have, a, you have a bit of a rude awakening. It's almost a recalibration that you go, okay, wait a minute. Now's the time where actually I got to sit down. I got to make sure I can see exactly where that line is. Where's my blade going? You have to be a little pickier about tool placement and, and how you're actually using the tools and the sharpness of the tools too. So it, it definitely is one of those things that takes a little time to get your head into that Which, space. as we know from Matt, you don't have. Oh, no, no, no. You know, funny story about that, Matt. The last time I used these chisels, these oh, are blue spruce chisels. <laughs> Stupid ones. Those were the ones that gave us trouble that we uh, realized that there was edge retention problems uh, with uh, the with the metal. These are the versions that uh, are being produced now by woodpeckers, and they own blue, blue spruce, but still under the blue spruce name. Mm -hmm. And uh, proud to say, happy to say, they are great. Like Better. they're doing nice. what you would expect they, they, they them to like do. Fracture immediately. Yeah, they're not. They're the not turning thing? into saw blades after two chops. Nice, so nice serrated like, edge. What the hell? I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not like chopping a mortise here. Yeah, I'm that was just bad. doing a little little choppy chop. I'm like. I think toward the end there, before the acquisition, <laughs> they had some serious quality control problems. And, uh, and I mean, obviously, people blue spruce is great, right? Like people had chisels of theirs. They were. Something Had to you ever used to. their chisels from from days of yore, like the original Blue Spruce chisels, Mark? I don't know how old they were, but I did get some hands-on with uh, some that um, Ann Briggs had at her shop. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. actually, like, the fit and finish was what excited me about them. Mm -hmm. She only had a few. Okay. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And, I like, I remember laying down uh, to go to sleep that night, and I'm, like, on my phone. <laughs> Doing what I do best, shopping in bed. Shopping in bed. Nice. And Nicole's like, what the hell did you do? Like, after I bought a full set. And it's just that set, when they came in, just was not great. Not great. I got a, I got a refund for the entire set. So, um, not to belabor this point, but there are people listening right now who want to know. Like, so the new ones, do they compare to that experience you had with Anne? Her chisels? They do. They do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing... I use them for all of the practice runs that I did for these dovetails. And now I'm actually finally doing the real uh, dovetails for the drawer. And I haven't had to tune anything. I mean, they're still just, nice. just as sharp as they were when I started. I'm using cherry for the whole thing. So it's not super hard, but hard enough. And they are just pairing perfectly. They're chopping perfectly. I got no complaints about them. Now I'm not, you know, I'm not as well versed as, as you in terms of like, I've got five chisels. I could tell you which one is going to hold up the best because I, I use it all the time. Um, yeah. But for my purposes, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between these and like the PMV 11 ones that I have in, in the drawer. Yeah. See, I don't know whether it really comes to, I mean, as long as, as long as they're not the other chisels and the edge retention is there, I don't know that you can really tell much of a difference to me. It's, it's about that fit and finish and balance. Um, if the steel itself is no good, then that's no good. Yeah. I'm just glad to hear that because I kind of yeah. stopped recommending blue spruce to a lot of people yeah. based on, cause it wasn't just you. There were three or four people that had this problem. You just made the most noise. 
Um, but, <laughs> like, like Dougie right now. Hey. But, but, you know, I, I want to recommend that brand because I absolutely adore the blue spruce chisels I have. I mean, I've had them now for 10 plus years, uh, a mm-hmm. couple long pairing ones, a really wide bench chisel, a couple smaller bench chisels. I have one of their um, dovetail chisels. And they're just fantastic. But yeah, you just hate to hear when something like comes up. So it's good to know that, well, I mean, Woodpeckers makes great stuff. Like, why would they? It seems like they probably know, well, they know aluminum really well. Yeah. Well, I would guess that they bought Maybe that was the problem. (laughs) Like, they bought the company and then they just improved the process. I don't think this was something they did a lot to change it. I think they just had the resources to do what he was, uh, I forget who the guy was that- Dave Jeske. Okay, yeah. So- you know, maybe some of the stuff that he was having trouble with in terms of resources, you know, uh, mm-hmm. before the acquisition. So yeah, that's true. The thing that I love about him the most is just the fit and finish and the weight and the heft of that handle. When I pick up as much as I love Veritas and I love the uh, PMV 11 steel, every time I pick one of those up, it just feels like the, it's all front weighted. Like the mm-hmm. handle is so light. Mm-hmm. It's totally just agree. disappointingly light. Um, and I get it. It just, it is what it is. But when you have, and I believe their stuff is still the resin impregnated um, uh, wood for the handles, makes a huge difference. It just makes such a huge difference. And I don't feel like I'm going to split it every time I hit it with a mallet. I'm still waiting for that, uh, the torrified maple or whatever they use on the Veritas. To explode Um, your face. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still waiting for those to break. Thankfully, they haven't yet, but it feels like it will any day. They feel like they're almost hollow. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited just to have them back in the shop. So That's cool to hear. Well, there yeah. you go, folks. It's a Christmas episode. Add blue spruce chisels to your shopping list. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, but too yeah. much on me there. Uh, Shannon, what do you got going on? It's all right. I am, um, I'm back in the shop uh, doing some marquetry again, and uh, I'm making Christmas cards. Apparently, mm. <laughs> apparently, I didn't know anything about this. There's some tradition in my wife's family that says we do handmade Christmas cards, and then we exchange them. Apparently, I never knew anything about this, um, oh, <laughs> and it was okay. going on. I don't know. So I knew it was right. I was going to say you've been together for a while. Yeah. It's 25 (laughs) years next year, but yeah, you know, um, so this year I decided, well, you know, we're, we're going to do this. So I'm making, um, marquetry Christmas cards. And it's kind of fun because, you know, using like, um, the bull technique or there's a couple of marquetry techniques where you can stack a bunch of veneers and I'm actually making nine cards at a time. Um, Mm. I feel like I could put a couple more slips of veneer in there, but once you start using a fret saw with like three eighths inch thick packet, it's not, it's not fun anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You've got this, this 32, 36 points per inch blade going through three eighths of an inch. It, it sucks. Yeah. So, um, I've got it. And I think my total packet might be, I don't know, maybe an eighth of an inch, maybe a little more than that, but it's pretty sweet. And the hardest part is just, there's so many little pieces that come out and kind of keeping track of it all, but making eight at a time. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're actually going to mail them <laughs> or not. Yeah, would they survive that? Um, well, I think so. I think yeah. so. Cause I'm, I'm taking it and then. Uh, laminating another full sheet on the back of it. Okay. Um, and then the back of the card doesn't have any marketer on. It's just the front. Um, it's blank inside for those people that feel blank inside. You can send them that as a sympathy thing. Uh, that's not me. That's another comedian. I can't claim credit for that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm laminating. So the hinge is a, is a bit of Christmas ribbon. So I'm, mm. I'm laminating, cutting the ribbon and then laying it on top of a sheet of veneer and then bunning a sheet of veneer up against it so that it's all on the same kind of geometric plane, but then there's a hinge. So I I think all told, and I'm 
cross laminating it like plywood. So they'll be pretty, pretty strong. Wow. That's so crafty of you. Wow. Once I throw some lacquer or something on it, it should be even stronger. So lacquer. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. That sounds, that sounds, uh, it's Christmassy. (laughs) Very Christmassy. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. All right, Matt, what about you? Uh, speaking of, uh, doing stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. You are. Just finished, um, the sunroom today. Nice. So that feels good. Got yeah. This, I got it all painted. And I'm just going to tear out all the paint prep stuff tomorrow when that room's done. Completely That's fine. That's great. Right Look goodness. at you. So you got uh, like furniture and things to put in there? You guys are already using the space? No, you have to build up. that still. Uh, there's, that, there's that too. We got some temporary stuff. That's going to mm-hmm. find its way into that room. Uh, we set it up. I, I finished the install of all of the trim like right before Thanksgiving. So we set up the room with all the furniture to get a feel for it over that weekend. And then took all the furniture out for painting. But it's a really nice room to like, have that space there. With the windows, you can see the whole yard. And it just feels like a fully completed bot now. There's yeah. actually like mm. the trim that's supposed to be there is all there. Instead of just looking at like rough in windows with some framing and some raw sheetrock. Yeah. So it's come a long way. Good. What's the what would you put as the total time from start know. to finish? Too goddamn long. Ca- calendar <laughs> wise, like you've been doing it for a while. Um, I started um, October, beginning of October, mm-hmm. I think, or maybe like late September, because the whole push was to get. I wanted to get it all installed so I could spray it before it got super cold, which I really I missed that opportunity. But we've had this really weird fall winter thing where it's been super warm. Yeah. So I yeah, had the opportunity here. last week to actually do my spray, my final coat, because it was like, I think it, was, it got to like 48 degrees outside. And the problem is I have to have the windows open to spray for two reasons. One for ventilation so I don't die in there and get all get all the overspray like out, vented out of the room. And then the other reason is I have to paint them. After I spray the windows, I have to open them. Otherwise... They will become painted shut. Right. Sure. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, so I was waiting for the, that, that warmer spell to come back. And I don't know, some kind of fortunately that it just worked out with the timing and the weather that I got an almost 50 degree day in Minnesota in December, which is like pretty remarkable in itself. Yeah. No, that's great. We had like a 65 degree day. I was that's like, I'm crazy. leaving work early and going on my bike. Yeah. <laughs> it was too nice not to. Yeah, I got it. I got it the next day, but it came with rain. So, <laughs> ah, boo. Uh, so what's next? The rain. kitchen? Yeah, I'm going to jump back to the kitchen. So I've, I've been kind of mainly focusing on the sunroom to get that one room done and complete, but I've been peeling away on some of the cabinetry for the kitchen. So I have this large appliance garage thing that I started. I got the hardware for it. The architect spec this like self-retracting pocket door hardware. And it's one of those like the instruction manual is 65 pages long and you look at that thing and you're like, I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at or where to start looking at this. Someone's like, oh, you just cut this piece to whatever length you need. I'm like, I ain't cutting anything until <laughs> I understand what that is I'm doing here because yeah. I don't really want to order another piece of aluminum extrusion or whatever. But I spent a few hours with that hardware. I got laid out like on a temporary board because it needs to be like, you need to know the final size of the pocket it's going to go into so that you can actually make it to the size of that area for it or whatever. Yeah. And it was a, it was a very frustrating and troubling experience, but it was definitely one of those things where it's like, you just got to sit there with it and like mm-hmm. trudge through the crap and just look at it and spend the time with it to like fully understand what it is that you're looking at with all these like random little bits of pieces in the picture book that mm-hmm. doesn't really have any real words 
but <laughs> <Right>. illustrations. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, they're going for like multinational, multi-language compatibility with the whole world. Sure. So there isn't like actually like like written out instructions. There's no videos about putting it together. And I'm like, what am I looking? What am I doing here? But after a few hours, I kind of got a good, I have an idea of what I'm doing. I know where all the pieces are and where they're supposed to go and kind of what size this thing is supposed to be. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. And uh, so that's what I'll be doing this week is kind of building up that cabinet, getting that all kind of situated and figured out. And um, it's going to be a big one. It's like, uh, what is it, 34 wide and 8 feet tall and cool. 26 deep. Wow. Wow. That's a big awesome. cabinet. Yeah, That's no so kidding. cool. That's so cool. Thank I you, Mark. It. I love it. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm sitting here listening to your, your whole kitchen thing. And I know it's like just starting. So you're going to have a lot ahead of you to get this done. I know. Um, I am also doing a kitchen project. But I'm doing it in the way where... I write a check and then mm-hmm. I just wait. I like that. It's that kind of kitchen project. I mean, you know? I've written some yeah. checks already, but <laughs> yeah. way more than I thought I'd have to write and still have to do all the work. <laughs> and still have to do the work, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'll be curious to see because uh, the lead time on stuff around here is very, very long. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who gets it done first. But lead time on a lot of the stuff that I've, I've been using is kind of long as well. Yeah. That's why I like I ordered it. I'm like I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that I got sidetracked with the sunroom because some of the stuff I needed for the kitchen didn't even come in until like a couple weeks ago anyway. No, oh, yeah. Like this pocket door hardware was like a month or six weeks lead time. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't get that one until like mid October anyway. Yeah. And I was planning on starting that cabinet in September, so okay. it all kind of worked out. Well, look at it this way: I put a deposit down with my contractor middle of May for my new siding windows and roof. Uh, and uh, I believe we're looking the first week of January for the job to start. They were actually going to start oof. it next week, like as in a couple days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'd kind of like to put Christmas lights up and <laughs> kind of don't want like yeah, really. people roaming through the house on December yeah. 21st, like because my wife will be off and, you <laughs> know, right. holes in the in the side as they rip the windows out when it's cold outside. So, yeah, it's. It's a, I don't know, it's, it probably could have been faster. We specifically went with a smaller company because we just mm-hmm. kind of liked the guys. But I mean, that's part of it, you know, unless you're ordering as a contractor, unless you're ordering like three and four houses at once, mm-hmm. you're, you get it whenever you get it, you know, like the siding didn't show up until Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it's full, what, seven months after I wrote a deposit, after it yeah. was ordered. So yeah, wow. the longest one we had was our fridge, which we just got in October, and I ordered it December of 2021. Nice, yeah, nice. Twenty two months. Wow, what is that? Even... A Felder planer? Jeez, yeah. I better be playing in something with the kind of money I spent on this fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Man, kitchens, kitchens are the worst. They will eat your money, all of it. I just want to yeah. eat the food. Yep, all that. How ironic. Okay, let's get to our kickback. <laughs> Kickback. Shannon, you're this on. is from Mark. Uh, you guys remember we had that question about the wormwood knockdown joinery. I don't know. Mark with a K long, has an answer. So long time ago. It was a lot. It was episode 559. Thank you, Mark, for letting us know that. He says, I too have been on the hunt to figure out what knockdown joinery uses as inside and as outside and inside our finished faces. Most traditional knockdown joinery doesn't work. But I found it. 
It's from a company in Europe because of course it is. And it's called <laughs> VMV Schulenburg. The connectors are the XS connecting system. So we have a link to a website in Germany. It's a .de website. So mm -hmm. there you go. So if you guys get a chance to take a look at this, it's like a little post with a chamfered hole in it. And then you're essentially screwing in a little screw that goes into that and kind of presses into that chamfered hole. But they're kind of just like dowels. This looks very familiar to me. The Festool connector system is essentially this with a plastic domino surrounding the mechanism. There's a little bit more to it with mm. uh, the Festool version, but this is so familiar looking. It's it's kind of got that same thing on the internals of uh, the connector system. I imagine this is a whole lot cheaper per unit it's as well. Like, it reminds me of a cross dowel in a sense. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, and I think mm. if you get that thing to the right depth as you screw that little set screw in, mm -hmm the sort of conical shape, you know, sort of pulls it in and yeah. tightens it. So the same like drilling operation is doing a cross dowel is what it looks like. Like this, yep. the setup is yeah. the same. And it's Very pretty minimal so. and you know, all on the interior, you don't see anything from the outside. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it looks like a nice system. Still, I'm glad to know of this company. Some of these like obscure hardware companies are fun. For example, they have a product called Hercules. Hercules? <laughs> the Hercules two. What I is it? I just want though? that. It looks like another kind of knockdown thing. It's like a single dowel. Oh, and they got like handrail uh, setups for like really complex stair handrails. Yeah. Joinery for that stuff. I tell you what. As an uh, aside with this, it's like, this is one of those things you're like, okay, this is cool. Now, how do I buy it? Right. Where do I get yeah. it? It's like, okay, I see pictures great. of it. I would like I to buy this. <laughs> Where can I do that? Yeah. You cannot have it. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. You know, let, let, let's crowdsource this, Wood Talk listeners. I have been wanting to find the hardware for those like Titanic steamer chairs. Remember when Norm built that on the New Yankee Workshop? Mm -hmm. And he had like, I even went and bought the the little New Yankee plans just to like get the the, the digits for buying that hardware. And that it's no longer there. Um, Woodcraft, oh. excuse me, the other Rockler used to stock it for a while. And I think even Canadian Rockler stocked it at one point. But nobody has that anymore. I would love to build one of those Titanic steamer chairs. And yeah, there, I've done some Googling and there's a company that actually makes the chairs. Mm -hmm. And I think they make their own hardware or they've sourced it for somebody. But they're, of course, won't tell you because they want you to buy their chairs. But, sure. So there you go. People out there who are listening, if, if you've ever found it, let me know. I, I would love to build one. If you're looking for this hardware, uh, Lee Value is a distributor. Yeah. For this stuff? For this weird stuff that we're looking at. I, okay. You know, it's one of those things like they don't sell it. You got to go find someone else who sells it. Yeah. Interesting. All so right. They got Lee Valley listed as their only Canadian distributor. There's no one in the U.S. or yeah. North America. See, it's interesting, though, because Mark actually wrote a little bit more in here, Mark with a K, and said that Canadian Rockler doesn't stock an analog either because he, he's in Canada. He's trying to find somebody to ship it to Canada. So uh, Mark, double gonna, check that, like because Matt not, says they're they a distributor. They might not have and, it in their like actual like day to day catalog, but they can source it for you if you contact Mister Garbagal at this phone number here six one three five nine six zero three five zero. You hear that, yeah, Mark? Matt's calling you a liar. Give this guy a call <laughs> and see if we can order you some of this Schlutenberg hardware. Schlutenberg. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if they've got the connections with them, it ju might just be a ha, quick the email. Connections, nice. Uh -huh. Connections. Well cool, done, man. That's you know cool. I like it. You know who else likes a good pun? 
Hey, that's my job, man. <laughs> I was just trying to help out. You know, the good thing is I didn't have anything for, for today, yeah, so that works That works just fine for me. But Rockler wants to let you know about some last-minute gifts. You know, it's holiday season, and uh, you might need some last-minute gift ideas. Rockler is your go-to source for last-minute gifts for yourself or other woodworkers in your life. Rockler introduced lots of new products this year, so you're sure to find something innovative to add to your wish list. Check out their new cutting board juice groove routing jig, their new dust right 4-inch clamping hose holders, and their new miter saw fence system. And if you're not sure exactly what you want, you can never go wrong with a Rockler gift card. Find the Rockler gift giving guide plus great holiday deals on the rockler.com homepage or at a Rockler store near you. That's right. Give them a gift card for 250. Love the <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter just hauling ass through there with some kind of <laughs> stick or a piece yes, of wood. Stick. <laughs> Might well, and, be the most adorable thing I've seen. Even Pancake has a stick. Oh, no, that's not. <laughs> well, she's like, oh, there's action. What's going on over here? Promoters with sticks. <laughs> I love it. As the saw turns on again. Uh, this is just oh, a reminder no. that this show is also available on YouTube if you want to watch all of this madness. For those of you listening to... in your car right now wondering what is going on, Honestly, YouTube. we're recording at a, like a non-opportune time just to get the recording done earlier than we were going to. I thought I was going to be the problem here because <laughs> I got dogs and kids going in and out of the house. Oh, there she goes again. She goes again, yeah. Oh, bye. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. She only moves at stop and full speed, apparently. Good stuff. Mm. Okay. Well, Don't run with, uh, with sticks. This is plenty yeah. exciting. Not good for you. All right, should we get to some questions here? I got one. This is a question from Will. He says, I live in northern Alberta, and my shop is my two-car garage with no heat. I always take my glue-ups inside the house where it's warm. I keep my type bond inside during the colder months, and when I have to do a glue-up, I bring my project inside, and the kitchen table is now my assembly table. My yes. wife loves me a lot. My question is, do I need to let the wood warm up? to the temp in the house prior to glue up or can I glue the wood while the wood is cold? I typically leave the project inside the house overnight in clamps and I've never had an issue. Recently, for the fall, the funny thing is he never had an issue, but he's asking if, like asking our opinion on whether that's a good idea. I think he may <laughs> have answered that question himself as long as he's never had an issue. It's probably fine. Recently for a panel glue up, I took the panel inside for an hour until the squeeze out dried and because it was required for the next part of my project, I brought it back into the cold shop to continue the next steps. Do I need to be worried about the glue not curing fully when only left inside for an hour and then brought back out to the cold shop. Also, will these temperature changes result in the possibility of more wood movement than expected? Like I said on the first part, I think you answered your question. I don't think there's, I mean, it's working out for you. The wood will come to temperature pretty quickly, um, at least to the point that it's within the range that the glue is happy. I think you're fine with that first Part. Taking something back outside if it's not fully cured, I do have concerns about that. I would think you would get the best results if it's left at the temperature for the full cure period. If you go lower than that at some point, this is one of those gray areas or you know degrees of gray where I don't know how long it can be in the warm and then taken to the cold. Like at what point does it become problematic? I'm not sure. And it's probably on a scale where the, the, the joint failure rate would increase with the longer period of time or the shorter in, inside time, right? But I mean, that's a great question for type on. They might have some data on that for you. I would avoid doing that just as a, a safe bet if you can. 
you did it this once. If it works out, cool. But you know, try to keep these things warm for the entire cure period if you if you possibly can. And as far as temperature changes resulting in more wood movement, I don't know about the temp. If you have humidity differences between your shop and the house, you might see some issues there. But these sound like very short exposures. We're talking all happening within a 24-hour period or 12-hour period. I think you're probably fine. I don't think that's too much to worry about. But I like the system of like keeping the glue warm, keeping that inside, and then even if the wood is cold, you bring it inside. I don't think you're going to have any problem doing a glue up like that. You have to remember, folks, wood movement is about moisture, less than temperature. Mm -hmm. So it's Alberta, northern Alberta, he even says. So it's mm -hmm. butt cold outside, which means it's incredibly dry. Yep. And what's inside, you've got the heat running, which is also very, very dry. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there's probably about the same equilibrium moisture content in both areas. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. Uh, he also said at the end, love the show. What you guys do individually, except for Matt, keep it up. Okay. Good, no one, no one should I actually I just, I added that part for, for you, Matt. He oh. didn't really say that. Oh, I was feeling spicy you. when I wrote these notes. Yeah, you are very spicy lately. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> all I know is spice. Yes. All right, let's see. This is, this is from Tom. He says, I was inspired by Shannon to build a high joiner bench with a permanent two-screw vise using a bench-crafted bench moxen kit. Mm. Uh, top is seven feet wide, wow, and a little over one and a quarter inches thick. Do you recommend adding dog holes? If so, how many and where? Um, um, that's pretty cool. Like, mine is about 32 inches wide, um, seven feet. That'd be awesome. Like, if I had more space in my shop, I think I could really get into that. If for no other reason, just to have, like, a place to set stuff, because that's probably what it would become. Great. Like, how many more drawers could I dovetail on a seven-foot-long uh, right. joinery bench? That's pretty awesome. Yes, I have three dog holes um, on mine, and I use them constantly. I have a fence, because there is a tool well on it, and there's a fence that kind of slides up from the tool well, so that's at the back of the bench. So I think the bench is about 18 inches deep or wide, however you want to put it. So there's a fence there, but I often find that I use the dog holes A for holdfasts. But sometimes it's nice to just pop up a dog if I've got a shorter piece, kind of like what Mark was talking about earlier, where he uses the chisel to make that little notch when he's sawing. I do that every time I chop out my pins or my tails, I create that little wall. Um, so sometimes it's just sliding up against a dog and, you know, using the chisel to create that little wall, having the dog is really, really useful there, but you don't really need a lot. It's not like you're, you're using, putting dogs in line with a vice or anything like that. I have occasionally used my moxen vice and I do have two dog holes on the ends of my moxen vice, like real close to the screws. And I've occasionally used that to pinch something, but it doesn't really pinch real hard because of the way the moxen vice is. The moxen vice, the, it racks vertically a little bit since the, the chop actually slides on the screws. But it's enough just to give you a little bit of holding power. But long story short, too late. You don't want a big long row of dog holes. So the way I always do this, and this is whether you're regular bench or you join your bench or whatever, figure out the radius of your holdfasts. In other words, if you were to spin that holdfast in the hole, what's the size of the circle? In other words, what is its reach? And then multiply that by two, and that's how far apart you put your dog holes are. Because if you put a holdfast in one hole and holdfast in another, and say they, they each have a radius of six inches, if you put them six inches apart, then your holdfast will be bumping into one another. But if you put them 12 inches apart, then pretty much no matter where you are 
on the bench, your hold fast will reach. So if you don't have any hold fast, you probably want to get some first because that will help determine how far apart to put those holes. And the same thing would apply like from front to back on the bench. With my bench being about 18 inches wide, I literally just drop dog holes smack in the middle. And I don't know what my hold fast reach is. I think it's anywhere from seven to eight inches, something like that. So you pretty much can spin that hold fast and reach every single spot on the bench. There's no reason to turn the top into Swiss cheese or put a whole bunch there. At the same time, like if you're working on something you're like, boy, I wish I had a hole for a dog here, drill one. <laughs> That's why we make it out of wood. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with adding dog holes later, but as far as like an initial plan, and oh, by the way, I have a video on YouTube that basically says what I just said. But if you like to like watch stuff, um, hell, I'll put a link in the show notes. How about that? I like to like watch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a visual learner, that's that's what I, I meant, what to, meant say. to say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, this one's from Alex. Oh, look at this. Here's a question Matt might be able to answer. Hmm, finally. Oh, wow, wow. It's about wow. time. Even Matt can answer this one. This one's so easy, even Matt can do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, I service a lot of rough slabs on the router sled. I noticed that cut quality starts to degrade about halfway through one side of the slab, so I turn off the router and splits, spritz a bit in CMT cleaner and briefly use a toothbrush to remove some buildup. Cut quality does get better. I use both a cheap two inch servicing bit and carbide insert bits and the same thing happens on both. My cut on each pass is around a quarter inch and that is about an eighth to a quarter inch deep. Am I spending too much time on router bit maintenance and should I do more or less about keeping the bit clean? So there's kind of like two things we'll touch on here. The first thing is going to be the actual cutting itself and why you're probably getting as much buildup as you are. Unless that bit's only like a half inch wide, a quarter inch step over is not nearly enough for that bit. The geometry on those bits, there's no like relief on the bottom side most of the time. So if you think about it, you're dragging that cutter over the surface. It's just building up heat, building up mm -hmm. pitch. It's not doing any cutting. The carbide needs to eat. It needs to be fully engaged like all the time to be able to actually maintain proper chip clearance and what a, to do a nice job. Get that bit in there chewing up more meat than mm -hmm. only a quarter inch. That's gonna save you a whole lot of cleanup time on those actual bits. Um, as far as like router bit ma maintenance and like sharpening, whatever, if you have some diamond plates, there's like, you can actually get the full diamond plates, like Shannon style, like for sharpening real things, or you can get the uh, little diamond plate uh, paddles, which are kind of nice if- <laughs> I have those too. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. So you can get either one of those. The, but I bought them for my router bits at the time. So that, that's yeah. where I'm going here, is exactly <laughs> there. <laughs> So on the uh, the fixed ones, the, the cheap surfacing bits, sometimes you can get them over the edge of like a whole plate and get the whole face, just kind of lap it a little bit. If not, you can use a paddle to get a little bit more in there. On the insert bits, those are really easy to touch up. You can take the whole insert out after you've done all four edges or however many edges that insert has, put it down on the plate. I like to use a pencil with like a nice little eraser light on there and just kind of spin it around on the plate and I'll just kind of lap it and give it a little bit more of a freshened up edge. You can go around all four times again. I don't really know how many times you can do that before it's like not that great anymore, but you can certainly do it until it's no good and then replace those. But they're mm -hmm. pretty easy to like, at least touch up in a pinch if you need to. Okie dokie. Doesn't Rockler sell some sort of like pitch remover thing too? I'm sure they sell a cleaning kit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, they sponsor the show. I just figured I'd throw them a bone. Pretty sure. Yeah, like, well, like a something in a spray bottle cleaning kit where it has like the pan the tub thing for the blade yep you can do yeah, your, yeah. your table saw blade and your rudder bits all on one 
Yep, session. they got a pitch pitch and resin remover. Plus, you can get the whole kit for uh, about twenty eight bucks, twenty eight fifty, which contains a little. Actually, they really improved that because I bought that back in like God fifteen years ago. Yeah, it was I just had the a same big, one, <laughs> right? It was just a big lipped container like a big bowl this is a bowl with a, a lid which is great because uh that's that's one thing i like to do is if you can leave the solution in there yeah. you could just kind of dump your stuff in and go so that's uh that's pretty great for uh 28.49 not too bad i probably brought that because mark told me to back when he actually influenced me <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I bought a lot of things that's a long time ago. to buy this right so yeah You're welcome. i remember a few dvds in- that i bought because mark told me to buy them and it all down. paid off because I let you on this show, right? <laughs> yeah, so, right. I mean, so, there I should, you go. I should go find my simple varnish finished DVD and like hang it on the wall or something. Uh, there, there's the first line of the it. future Wood Talk host application. How much stuff have you bought that Mark told you to buy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to decide. It'll be multiple choice. A all, all the, twenty all the or t-shirts more. T-shirts from back <laughs> yeah. in the day. All the, right. the guild DVDs before there was a guild. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm it's old. a whole thing, man. It was a scene. Why am I old? What the hell are you doing to me? Scene. If, I, if you're old, then I'm older. Okay. All right. You so know who family. else is old? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know why? Since 1954, it's one year older than my mom. How about that? How do you think your mom feels about you throwing that out there? She doesn't care. She's fine. Right. Very confident woman. Confident in her age. Confident I know Matt's mom skin. listens to the show because she always likes it. But yeah, I don't, Matt's I don't mom's the best. I'm good friends with her. Yeah, I should send her a Close Christmas card friends. this year. Yeah, I should send her a Christmas card, something like that. I feel like, I feel like Christmas card. It's finally that time. So be like, I bet you didn't get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> hey Matt, guess what I got? <laughs> That's all, that was, dude. Just for that, it would be totally worth it. Well, here, I didn't. I didn't tell you this. Like my mother-in-law sent me a message like like a week or two ago. You were posting some pictures of your cat, so my my mother-in-law sent you pictures of her cat because like it's like something you guys can bond over now. Apparently, I'm like, what the everybody, everybody's nice. mom. Was Mark? I love it. I love it. But look, I get along with moms. What can I say? <laughs> Anyway, it's all right, true. Well, my mom liked you. My mom liked your wife a lot, but your mom was she liked great you too. Yeah, but then I then I didn't wind up using her realtor friend. I thought maybe I had uh, hurt that relationship. <laughs> she still liked you. No, she was ready to retire at that point, so she didn't care. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm gonna have to send you links to send something to your mom. There is a wonderful Instagram account with a dog that they dress in a Karen wig, and it's called Karen Bark Realty. So it's a realtor, nice. and nice. they do a voice with it freaking hilarious uh, i'll send great. you a link because it's it's great <laughs> she like they have pictures of the dog on the couch and it's like sold four houses today <laughs> it's so good please tell me the dog wears a blazer and has a brooch it's, she's got like a little um sweater that she wears like nice. a little red sweater i mean if you know anybody who's like turned especially the ones who get into the real estate game like later as a second career and you watch mm-hmm. all the goofy things that they have to do <laughs> It's so funny to watch this. It's great. Anyway, nothing to do with the show. So family owned since 1954. Rockler uh, family owned since one year before my mom was born. Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com. Use the code WOODTALK, it's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Hooray! Woo! All right, everybody listening, hand the 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 iPad 
iPod, um, whatever you're listening on, hand it to your mom and uh, tell your mom to send us questions. We're going to have an all moms episode, I think. I think yeah. it's time. Let's do it. You know, if we start collecting now, maybe we'll be ready by Mother's Day. We're going to have an all moms episode. So Perfect. send those questions to woodtalkshow.com or email them at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram uh, at woodtalkshow, right? I always forget that. I should really sure. know that. I yeah, think I think so. that sounds right. Um, yeah. That's all I got to say. And Thanks you for know, the questions. People, people in the past have asked for a wives show, which we've never been able to pull off. I don't think our wives have remotely any interest. But I think the yeah. real gem, the real magic is the mom show. Yeah. <laughs> that would be some next level stuff. I don't see that happening. No, I don't really either. <laughs> my mom would do it. My mom, give my mom a reason to talk and she is, she's a happy lady. I mean, I guess, especially especially the YouTube thing. talking about. <laughs> I don't know either. I mean, unless they're like, here you go, sit down and talk about your kids. I'm How like, much of a disappointment their sons are. There's that too. <laughs> yeah, like that's that. a good topic. I think that might work. Yeah. My, need, my mom definitely moderator. embodies the, the stereotype of like Zoom. It would basically just be her forehead <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time we do a video call, it's like like the reason Hollywood says that is because this is what actually happens. Yeah, yeah. totally. Absolutely. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Merry Festivus and stuff. Yeah.